Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of 11 Questions where each week we meet a new person and get to know them. I'm your host Amantivana and today we meet Zarar Said. Zarar is a South Asian author who was born in Lahore and spent his childhood between Dubai and the US. His debut novel drew immediate attention worldwide. Let's find out more about Zarar after this quick quote from our sponsor. Hey Zarar, welcome to 11 Questions. Thank you for having me. First of all, happy belated birthday to you. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you so much. How did you celebrate your birthday this year? I just stayed home with the family. Didn't really do much. Tonight, I might see some friends and be very socially responsible at the same time. (laughs) (laughs) It's very different this year. Yeah, it's been tough. And uh, I think people find it really weird to ask them to get rapid tests before you meet them. Uh, Some people get offended and some people don't. That's when you realize how sensitive people's lives are. You depend on someone's stupidity, basically, to live (laughs) and to survive. I live in California and a lot of parties and hanging out at beaches has been happening. And that's a big reason why we are in this position that we are in today. Yeah, yeah. What is your resolution for 2021? I just turned 40. I need to be a lot more healthier because I think once you hit 35 plus, you kind of start... (laughs) You start feeling things that you didn't feel before, like aches and pains, and I want to be healthy overall. I want to finish my second novel, which I've been really lazy about these days. So yeah, these are the two things, very broad Hmm. resolutions. Those are good goals. Yeah, yeah. those are good goals to focus on. I know you're also a South Asian author. So how many languages can you speak? I think we were talking about this earlier. My mother's side of the family comes from southern Punjab, and they speak a very a dialect of Punjabi, which is probably doesn't really have a name and probably a few thousand people only know know about it and speak it. Uh, so I speak that language very fairly well because I heard it growing up in the house. I taught myself a lot of Punjabi when I moved to Pakistan at the age of 15, the regular city uh, sort of Punjabi. And then I know like obviously Urdu is, is probably not my strong suit, but yeah, I, I know that. I grew up in Dubai, so you had to take a second language, which was Arabic from the very first beginning, like very first school day. I remember Arabic was taught alongside English. So I knew Arabic really well until, you know, I stopped speaking it. So I would say give or take four languages. That's pretty good. I can speak three. And I think we have two in common, English and Punjabi. (laughs) Cool. I wanted to learn Urdu, but I haven't seriously ever done anything about it. Or maybe you need someone talk to when you're learning a language otherwise it's very hard to practice it i thought i thought growing up that what i spoke was urdu and then when i realized when i met people from urdu speaking backgrounds and they would very politely tell me listen that's not urdu (laughs) what you're speaking (laughs) so i realized that people in especially in pakistan side of punjab have and i think I've, i've spoken about this in other interviews that we are the only ethnicity that has completely eradicated our own language and culture from the socioeconomic structure that we currently live in. My parents' generation were the first generation to stop speaking Punjabi and started speaking Urdu. And that part of Pakistan kind of went through this Urdu imperialism, language that was not ours, was imposed on us. And I'm very strongly against that. You know, obviously now it's lost and we speak kind of this hybrid mutant language, which is not Urdu or Punjabi. It's kind of in between and it's never been written down or anything or passed down. At least in the India side of things, you know, Punjabi is written down and there's a lot of structure behind the learning, speaking and writing and and reading of poetry and and so on and so forth. On the Pakistan side of things, that's not the case. Yeah, that's true that there's a lot of literature in the India side of Punjab. 
but i think in our generation or even my parents generation it has started to die down i think i've witnessed myself people started speaking hindi more because it looked more civilized or upper middle class and they just started giving up their own language and now i think these days there're not many good punjabi authors at all yeah and it's very unfortunate i think the language itself has gone through what a lot of ethnicities have gone through in the past which is you know this sort of understanding that this belief that some languages are better than other languages just based on the economics behind the thing right so people that spoke urdu and hindi are people who were obviously people that did a lot of business and had a lot of money and people that spoke punjabi were mostly farmers and agricultural folks so it was a very easy sort of imperialism to impose on them but if you look at some places like the south tamil telugu malayalam you know these languages are extremely strong they're very strong in the sense that everyone in the state will speak it and they will also speak english they don't have that kind of hindi imperialist approach to things yeah i think the government has tried for what 70 plus years for them to start learning hindi in schools and they have outright refused it which i yeah, think I, is a strength yeah. in itself Oh, that's that's wonderful, and I think one of the reasons why in 1971 East Pakistan broke away and rightfully circumcised from the country was because they refused to speak Urdu. They're like, "Why the hell should we do this? <laughs> you know, it's not our <laughs> language." Sadly, though, Punjab was the one that was affected most in this yeah. language warfare, and they they suffered the most. Yeah, and same for the partition. The state has been affected the most, and that's the one yeah. that got divided. And I've realized this over years, meeting other friends from other parts of India. They just don't have the same generational trauma that people of Punjab carry because of partition and these things that have happened. Yeah, I mean, look how both of our families are probably the same family back you know, 80, 90 years ago. and carry equally heavy deep wounding scars that are going to take another generation to get over. I think this is a topic that is endless. <laughs> so I'll just move on to the next question. So you wrote your first book Pure Land, am I right? Mm-hmm. Is this your main profession now? I would like to say so, but no, sadly I'm like any other author that I know, I know quite a lot of them now. All of us have day jobs and that's just how it goes. <laughs> even some of the big guns they all like get up in the morning and go to work and do something other than write i suspected so <laughs> mm-hmm. what would you say is your biggest accomplishment something that you're most proud of i think what i'm proud of is i taught myself the art of literary fiction it was a very difficult task and now that i look at it i just had this burning desire to tell the story and that's all i knew and i had to learn how to tell the story because storytelling is not easy everyone cannot do it You know how they say that everyone has a book inside them. For the most part, that's where it should remain for most people, you know. <laughs> but for me it wasn't the case. I had to tell the story, but I had to learn it. And I think my greatest achievement was that I learned the craft. I learned how to balance the words, the sentences and make it sound good, read well and at the same time not compromise the story. During this process of learning to do the whole book business what's the greatest act of kindness that someone has done for you a lot a lot of people have if i begin to name how kind people have been to me just the belief someone has in you really helps in giving you the confidence that you might be good at this stuff you know and i'm very grateful i want to make certain people very proud you know that i've done something that's what motivates me i guess now to write to tell that story to people i love and hopefully you know take some time out of their lives and spend time in my world that i've created for them 
that's great and i think it's very important to meet kind generous and uplifting people on your journey cuz when you're starting out it can be like make or break for a person yeah yeah it can be i think i was pretty resilient even when i met people that discouraged me or obviously every writer goes through multiple multiple rejections that didn't phase me because i was very in punjabi ji kehne na bada teeth sama i was very deep so like it kind of bounced off me rejection and these kind of things that critics or the publishers or the agents or whoever had their say in the matter just made me want to be better and better and slowly learn how to craft a paragraph how to kind of chisel it in a way that it would read well for everyone not just one person i wanted to make it a universal book at the same time have some sort of intellectual horsepower behind it that's amazing i love that resilient quality in people because i think that plays a big role in where you get in life yeah yeah i mean it, obviously there's a lot of people that help me along the way people that give me the encouragement that hey you know what you know what you're doing here so keep doing it and that made me better i'm still not good i'm still learning i always want to learn more when you start writing you start mimicking other writers when you start playing the guitar you start playing covers of other bands that you like yeah. and and slowly you realize this is not you and slowly you realize when you're playing a song that this is not my song i want to write my own thing and so it was kind of like that where you learn to um find your voice and i literally found it overnight i was sleeping and i woke up and i was like wait this is how the narrator should speak and i went to my desk and i wrote it down and i went back to sleep and that's how i figured it out because it wasn't working for me that the entire novel was just there was no narrator you know i was just basically telling the story from various points of view and it it didn't work and i suddenly came up with after a couple of years of writing back and forth with my editor and my agent and what not i was like this is why i'm getting rejected because nobody feels close enough to the story and the only way i could do that was to find my own voice how i speak and write it that way i was trying to be too cool you know i was trying to be too cute with it and like add words that didn't need to be there I think one of the most important pieces of advice I got was watching a Salman Rushdie interview in which he said this write the damn story just tell the story from the beginning and stop at the end and that's what I did instead of trying to act cool since we are talking about books if you could pick only three books to read forever which ones would that be I recently discovered one which I would read over and over again and and I'm really late in the game of discovering Toni Morrison I went on vacation a couple of weeks ago and I read Home in two sittings. Absolutely fabulous work. That and I think Midnight's Children would be something I would read over and over again. And Lolita by Nabokov. Three masterpieces I think I could take on a deserted island and be okay. I have not read any of those, so I need to check those out. <laughs> I envy people that haven't had a chance to uh, discover the wonders of Nabokov and Toni Morrison and, and Salman Rushdie. Lolita is actually probably on my shelves somewhere but it's just that I'm on Instagram a lot new books take my attention and my shelves just you know yeah. get in the background never get to those so I have another hypothetical for you if you could change one thing in the world what would that be I'll answer that in kind of two parts I think I would like to not see such division between humanity and secondly i think the only way that can be overcome is through the eradication of ignorance and the emancipation of children from cult like religions and horrible sort of teachings and i think one of the things that you will realize is that when you grow up knowing the things that you know and seeking truth and what not 
that mankind is a creature that has only been around for 200,000 years. And the only way forward for the species to survive is to understand that we are so close in genetics that if we were dogs, we would be one breed and one color coat. You know, that's how close we are in our genes. And hence, it's absurd to have such divisions among people. I would eradicate that. I think it's very possible that we will be coming close in the next century to having universal approach to the globalized citizen. If I want to go and visit any part of my world, my earth, I should be allowed to do that. I think we will get to that point very soon. Um, oh, I hope so. I hate yeah. this whole passports and visa thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There will be a day. I don't know when, but there will be a day when people will also not be judged on the nationalities that they carried or the, the place that they were born. I don't know when that will happen, but I'm pretty sure it will happen where one day any citizen of the earth can go anywhere else on earth. Nobody can stop them. It would be amazing if it happens in my lifetime. But <laughs> yeah, I love your answer. Thanks. This year has been actually the opposite of that. Even in our own country, we cannot move because of COVID. But once it opens up, which is the first place you'll want to go to? I would like to go somewhere where there's a beach. I grew up near a beach, and I think for me it's very important that I see one at least once a year. I'm the same way about mountains. If magically you were to get one day to spend with any person you want to, who would you pick? I would pick two people. I would like to hang out with... You are really greedy. <laughs> <laughs> okay, fine. Okay, fine. I'd like to hang out. Just just chill out with um, Christopher Hitchens. I think he's, he's he was the coolest guy on earth. Um, a lot of things. I don't agree with what he said, but uh, I think he would be a pretty cool person to hang out with. Okay, and which is the second? And now I'm just curious. Oh, Salman Rushdie. So they, they're both friends. I've been in, actually been in touch with Sir Salman over email and stuff like that, but I think he'd be pretty cool to hang out with too. I agree. And a last question of the day. If you were to pick one interesting life experience to share with us, which one would that be? The overall travel I've done since I was a kid. The reason why I think I know a lot more about cultures and people and, and all that is because I've been traveling so much since I was a child. Everywhere except for... I haven't been to Russia yet. I haven't been to China and I haven't been to Australia and New Zealand, but I have been all the way Indonesia and Bali and, and the Far East, Singapore, Hong Kong, that area. I've been to Brazil and all over the US. I've been to a lot of cities in the US. I've been almost everywhere in Europe and I lived a couple of years in Egypt. And when I was a kid, I grew up in Dubai, like I said, so we traveled a lot. So I think that's in its entirety an experience that taught me a lot. I'm jealous of you right now. <laughs> but thank you so much for answering all my questions, Adar. Now I want to talk a little bit about your book, your debut novel. Could you tell our listeners a little bit about the book? What's it about? And why did you write this book? The story is basically a tragic love story about a boy who grows up in a feudal town and goes on to win the Nobel Prize in physics, but his country turns its back on him and, you know, banishes him, excommunicates him, turns him into a sort of evil persona in which people are out to kill him. All because this man was born in a religious sect that is persecuted, one of the most persecuted people in the world. It's based on a true story, but I wanted to tell it in the form of a love story and a tragic love story. And that's basically the premise of it. And it's told from the point of view of the person who ends up killing him. Interesting. So, and how long did it take for you to write this book? 
Once it was my first, I think it took many, many iterations. Overall, I think start to finish, it was maybe about four or five years. But in the middle, I gave up on it. What's the process like? Process of writing as well as getting it published? Publishing part is a nightmare, to be honest. <laughs> the publishing world is something I still haven't understood. It's a really weird sort of industry that says that it's based on merit and meritocracy, but it's not. It's based on what can sell at this point in time. So that's why you get a lot of garbage stories. There are a lot of shit writers that have books on the shelves and a lot of good writers then get put in a different category of of fiction. There's a lot of categories, a lot of genres. It's very difficult. And there's there's agents involved and publishing right now, like there's pretty much one company that has almost a monopoly on publishing around the world. And to get published by that company, you have to obviously sacrifice a lot of things. A lot of established writers don't need to do that because they're even they can write whatever. But breaking into the publishing world is very difficult. A lot of indie bookstores and indie publishers, everyone should support. I try and get people to buy my book on bookshop.org, not Amazon, because the bookshop.org supports the local bookstores and independent bookstores. But that's that's a very difficult world to get into. Sounds very confusing. Yeah. (laughs) But if there's anyone out there who's writing a book, what advice would you give to them? I would say write the story that you want to write. Don't let other people tell you what is good and what's not good. Write the story you want to read. And the best advice I can give is be yourself as a writer. And the the quicker you find your own voice, the better writer you'll become. I think that's great advice. And you mentioned you are working on another novel right now. So basically, this is my first novel. Pureland was my second novel. I went back to it when I gave it to my agent to sell. or I can't remember what happened. They were like, yeah, you know, this is good, but do you have anything else that has? Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, okay. And I was like, yeah, I have this book lying around. And then they liked that one better. So I, I, I think I want to go back and finish that one. The one I'm, I'm finishing up is, is a, it's a completely different genre. It's a different approach. I want to try and do different things. So it's a YA novel, coming of age novel based in New York City. Very American immigrant, first generation immigrant story. And when can we expect that? When I finish it, <laughs> I don't really know. I'm <laughs> trying to create time to do that. If people want to buy your book, you said bookshop.org, right? Yeah, bookshop.org. Amazon is there also, Barnes & Noble, every, every available in fine bookstores. Everywhere. I think I would like to promote the, the local bookstores. Yeah, I'm all about not buying from Amazon. I'm also a big cool. promoter of local bookstores or, you know, just borrow and read. Yeah. If people want to get in touch with you, how can they do that? Instagram, I think, is the way that I communicate with most people, mm-hmm. like podcasts and things like that. And, and Thank you so much, Sarah, for meeting me today and sharing your life, your experiences with us. Thanks so much. And listeners, do check out Sarah's book, Pure Land, and I'll meet you here again next week. Thank you for listening to my conversation with Zarar. Hope you enjoyed getting to know him as much as I did. You can also watch a video version of this conversation on 11 Questions YouTube channel. Don't forget to subscribe wherever you are listening. And if you like this episode, please leave a 5-star rating on Apple Podcasts. You can also follow me on Instagram and Twitter at 11QuestionsPod for more videos and updates. And I'll be back next week with a new guest. Bye!